Welcome to the Art of Floundering Podcast. Peace and love. Well, all right, all right, all right. This is the Art of Floundering Podcast. My name is Will Dick. Today is the 2nd of February, and we have a very special guest. We'll get right to him. Uh, Jessup Sandoval. Did I pronounce that last name correct? Yeah. All right. Well, Jessup's got a really interesting story. Uh, this is our first episode of our new season, going to focus on resilience. I don't want to waste any time. Why don't you, I mean, walk us, I mean, at a high level, tell us where you're at now, and then we'll go back and go through the history. Um, I guess, yeah, like I'm training right now, and uh, I, I call it two sleeps. So in two nights to, on Saturday, I'm going to run a, hundred mile race, uh, for my second attempt. And during the, uh, first attempt, uh, which was at last September, I ended up getting an infection in my spine, which is discitis vertebral osteomyelitis. And, uh, I had no idea that I had it and attempted to run the race anyway. And it, uh, it, it, uh, my body just was shutting down <laughs> fighting a life-threatening infection and um and so yeah i ended up having a pick line put in my arm and having to be on daily infusions of antibiotics and then uh i got that pick line pulled out three months ago and now i'm attempting to to run this race for again a second attempt and it's definitely defying the odds because doc i mean as as you know um the doctors definitely didn't think it was possible and or recommended (laughs) Um, that's awesome yeah and so your original accident when did that happen when you got injured yeah so so i guess we can go all the way yeah Yeah, we'll just start i'm originally from jackson hole wyoming i was born and raised in jackson wyoming um which not a lot of us are uh and i i had a i had a pretty interesting childhood um i or i guess like my kind of teenage years i struggled with severe depression um i attempted suicide i i don't know if i would say i attempted i definitely did not try to to live i had taken like 27 and a half pills in high school and um i'd always kind of had back pain and i'd had severe degenerative discs in my spine and so um i was i was dealing with all of that and you know like i said struggling with depression pretty bad um and then I just was an unhealthy person. I ate unhealthy. Like all of it is just kind of a, a spiral, right? Like you, you feel like shit, you hurt, you eat worse because you're filling that hole. You're depressed. You get terrible sleep. You just watch TV. Like it's all just chasing dopamine and trying to fill these chemical um, holes that, that you're having issues with. And, uh, and then usually when you, fill it with one it's like it just depletes it even worse so um i struggled with a lot of that and then i was pretty unhealthy like even in uh around that same time i had blood in my urine for about a um it was like a good year i had uh kidney stones when i was 16 so like my health was just terrible um and i think a lot of it was is due to my 
eating habits and mindset and just like the way I, I used to kind of think of myself as somebody who like, I would, I would literally say like, oh, I, uh, like I could just hear somebody cough and be sick. And that's like how I defined myself as I was constantly just sick. And, um, I think like that just in itself manifests all these stress hormones, which makes it even worse. So it was somewhere I, I had multiple procedures. Like I ended up developing trigeminal neuralgia in my face and like had, I mean, it was just a nightmare. And I had, when I was, I'd say 17 or 18, I ended up like, I, after seeing, I mean, I wish I could pull out my medical history. It's like this stack of just stuff. And I saw uh, neurosurgeons, rheumatoid arthritis or uh, rheumatologists. I saw neurologists. I had um, uh, nerve blocks in my spine. I had a um, radio frequency ablation. I had I also have a really large cyst uh, filled with spinal fluid that sits on my tailbone, on my spine. Oh, and so they had that, I had that drained a couple of times and it just came back. And eventually I ended up with just a pain management uh, office where at, yeah, at 18, from the age of 18 till about 25, I was on 10 milligrams of hydrocodone, six 10 milligram hydrocodones every day. And that was just my normal for- Let me ask a, you a question. Was, it, was that helping? Uh, no, I, 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 yeah, I don't, I mean, like, I feel less pain. Like after you I, took them for a while, did you, did you find that you needed to increase the dosage? Of course, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, is like, I, I don't take anything now. Like, uh, I don't have any of them and I'm in less pain now than I was then on an insane amount of opiates yep. as a kid. I mean, like 18 years old is the <laughs> throwing it. I do. They were throwing it at you. I mean, so you went through high school, you said 16, you know, so this was during your, so I, what what were your you know going back to that time did you uh did you have future plans or were you just trying to survive each day um i think i had glimpses of it you know like i've always been an ambitious person and i've been a very creative person my whole family is very creative and like i've made videos when i was 10 me and my uh childhood best friend which he's in the video will he's in um the running 100 mile video so he and i like we made videos constantly and i rode dirt bikes and we we tried i grew up in the mountains you know like we did a lot of stuff um and uh so i think it was very balanced but the more you, um, you know, kind of, I, I look at you just from the chemical structure of opiates in general, like they're depressants. And um, I was already dealing with depression. So I think it was just a lot of like, there's glimpse of, glimpses of goals and hopes and things to, to strive for, but like it gets uh, overshadowed when you are taking in all these depressing substances and then it's, so I think, uh, I think, yeah, obviously who I am today 
is is shows that it was in me it's just yeah. <laughs> i was yeah, dealing with so much stuff you're the second person i've talked to we've got the same issues with the opiates you know i'm not on anything now even before with the level 20 pain it just wasn't the downside you you know you know long-term usage there was just too much downside yeah okay so now you're going through that you're when is the we okay so now you're six now i'll get that open you up okay what's next yeah so uh right after i finally i was like i'm gonna stop taking um i was trying i was kind of transitioning off of taking uh no i'm trying to trying to get my timeline so around the same time so i ended up moving i ended up having a kid at uh, had just turned 21 and then I ended up with sole physical custody of him and um, we moved to Bozeman Montana where I had opened like I, I've always been very ambitious so like I started at this new job and I worked my way up really really fast and they asked me to open my own it was an Apple service provider and they were the largest Apple service provider so it's a separate company that was um approved by apple to work on to, to be an official like provider and um so they asked me to go and open my own store and manage it and everything and i moved up to bozeman montana not knowing anybody with my son who was two or three at the time and uh still still dealing with all of this like it just you know i was taking taking pills and um still managing the pain and uh, within like four months, I we had the best, the, one of the top stores in the entire company. And so they threw this, um, this like retreat where we would, they took all of the top performers to Park City, Utah to go skiing, snowmobiling, do all these fun things. And uh, so I would, we all go snowmobiling and I'm out there we all stop at the top of this mountain to take some photos. And this guy from Florida, who's never been on a snowmobile goes to start the snowmobile and has the gas all the way pressed. And it takes off and pins me between another snowmobile and broke my leg, tore ligaments in both legs. And, uh, right, right there out, out there. I hop up immediately because I'm filled with adrenaline. Our CEO's there. I'm like surrounded by people. I'm like, let's, I'm good. Let's go. I, I end up riding out and then it just progressed. I ended up taking some hydrocodone. We drank, or we went to like the night event. So I was drinking. So mix, mixing those two, like I just, yeah, I didn't feel anything. And um, the next day, I, I was with three girls that came with me and they're all like, let's go snow snowboarding. Let's go snowboarding. And I was hurting by the time, you know, you wake up, you know, the mornings are the worst because all the drugs wore off and everything is wore off. Leg, you know? Yeah. So, uh, um, I try, I attempted to go snowmo or snowboarding and I, I like, I was like, I gotta go to the ER and I ended up riding. Then our CEO crashed uh skiing and me and him rode in the same ride to the er oh, i thought you could tell me you rode on a snowmobile to the er but no no me and he ended up both got injured and you went to the er okay yeah together oh, <laughs> it's funny. 
Um, so, but then that was the catalyst of like just this whole, you know, having to get, I was in a wheelchair cause it messed up both of my legs. And, um, and then, uh, I had, so I had a tibial plateau fracture in one leg, torn ligaments in, in that same leg, and then some torn ligaments in the others. I ended up having surgery eventually on both legs. Um, and then I ended up developing what's called, uh, CRPS complex regional pain syndrome. Mm. And it's, it has to do, I think my nervous system, I have a wacky nervous system because I end up developing some of the, like that trigeminal neuralgia as a nervous system thing. Uh, what ended up happening was like, anytime I would stand or just sit up, one leg would go freezing cold and turn purple instantly. So like if I were to elevate it or lay flat, they would be normal. The second I would go, well, it was purple, swollen, and freezing cold instantly. So it was when just you saw that mentally because you're a young person. Now you you're you you know I don't you know I raised my daughter you know I had joint custody. I don't like using single parent, but you're basically a single dad because your your mom was in a different state. I'm assuming, right? Yeah, she she had disappeared out of his life for a few oh, years. I'm sorry, man. So you're that's okay. You, I mean, you've got like buku challenges in life. <laughs> when you saw that purple leg, what mentally? What did that do to you? I mean, did that freak you out, or how did you handle it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think uh, yeah, it's it's just just becoming like my norm, right? Like right. like there's so many things. I mean, being 16 and seeing blood, peeing blood, and yeah. um, like yeah, it just was becoming my norm. And I and then you numb it out because you're on so many sedatives, <laughs> uh, depressive drugs, and opiates and stuff like that. It's just that's just the normal. Um, but I was dating a girl at the time, which I like, I cannot say how grateful I am because if I were, I, I don't know, I, I don't want to say I wouldn't have made it through, but she made it that much easier to That's make awesome. it through that time. Yeah. That's and awesome. I, um, I, I'm incredibly grateful for that. So I eventually like was going through all that. And I had this moment where I was like I, I felt like I'd hit rock bottom and I kind of had this shift in my thinking just I learned to meditate and that like really had this crazy shift and I was I wanted to get off of all of the opiates and I started taking like high dose CBD and THC capsules okay. and uh, that could have contributed to there was one th this could the girlfriend at the time introduced me to this guy who was learning how to uh to do extracts and it was yeah. it was fairly early but it was before the they had like testing facilities in montana or anything so he had given me some and and they were so strong that it definitely gave me like hallucinogenic <laughs> it was so i think though that was like a kind of a catalyst of just getting completely off of opiates i like i don't drink i stopped drinking i learned to meditate i really got kind of my life together yeah. and i ended up losing like 77 pounds um i just completely did this like 180 shift and um started to kind of like i, I think because my mind was changing the 
what was possible and how I defined myself was changing. And I didn't know, I, I didn't, I no longer looked at myself as a sick human being. Like I have this accountability of, look, I have control of my life. I have the ability to, to, to change this and to kind of rewrite my story. And I'm young. I was like, yeah, I still have so much life. And so doing all of those things compounded, I just started doing these crazy challenges and pushing myself to the like, well, what can I do? And then I would accomplish that and I would attempt to do the next thing. And um, it just continuously spiraled to in a good way. And um, then I, I it was like, now I'm at, everything was going so great and just everything was building and then uh, got the infection and it was like a punch right back in the face up, leading up to that infection i'm hearing something out of you um that you reached a, a crisis point whatever you want to call it you decide i'm going to get off the opiates by the way did you just go cold turkey or did you wean or how no i went cold turkey it was fucking yeah, hell it's been a good time <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, what i'm hearing is you reached a point and you said you know what i'm going to take ownership uh, yeah, you, you know, I'm going to get control of all the unhealthy. I'm, anything that's within my control, I'm going to get it straight. That's what I'm hearing out of you. You reached that. Did, did you feel that like this sh mental shift? You know, yeah. You said accountability. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's like, I, honestly, like meditation was the most important thing. That I, like, was it, <laughs> was it transcendental meditation out of curiosity? So, uh, I originally started with just a uh, square breathing, like just very basic square breathing. I had a therapist that had taught me it uh, several years before, and I had just never, like, it was like, I, I heard him, but I didn't hear him. Right. Like he told me, he told me this would change my life. And I just was like, yeah, I'm sure breathing. Uh-huh. And um, then like, it was just a uh, one time it, it clicked and it, was like holy shit like um and i think it was just like that compounding effect to it and then uh once like i remember i had one moment where i literally like i was meditating and it literally felt like a shift in the matrix like yeah. it was just so crazy how it felt like everything was going wrong that things were going wrong and then i like had this meditation and when I came out of it, it, things were vivid. Like it, it almost felt like I could manifest literally anything positive instantly. It was like, it was so predominantly this like juxtaposed two lives. It was like, it showed me heaven and hell in the ability to just shift that. It was, yeah. and that, and that was, I remember that moment that I kind of was like, okay, well now I really have control. And obviously like life things still happen. Right. Um, but it was just a very good catalyst kind of aha moment that I was like, okay, I, so I have, you were starting to do some things, but then the osteomyelitis, the bone infection comes up. Yeah. So, so that was like, uh, Originally, I had set this goal to run a minimum of two miles every single day. So like 
my my son's mom will go she came back in the picture she started getting her life together and um i wanted them to kind of have a relationship and be able to build that so we decided that he was going to live with her for a year and i knew that that was just going to mess with my head because i had i mean it's been me and him for forever and so um and it's been me and him for the course of like my what i would it's even me talking about um my past in like high school and things like that, it's hard for me to identify as that person. Like I have changed so much that it's when you ask like, what, what was it like? It's hard for me to put myself there because it doesn't even feel like it was me. Um, Yeah. yeah, And I think that's what, so talking about like my son, my life with my son has been this new person that, I knew that now, okay, he's going to go like, this is going to shake up my world quite a bit. And so my thought was, I'm going to put set a new challenge so that I can have a focus that I'm, I'm putting kind of my energy into uh, pushing my limits and stuff like that. And so I, it was September 1st of 2021. I set a goal to run a minimum of two miles every single day, uh, no matter what. And that was... I, my goal was to do it to the end of the year. And then the end of the year came and I was like, well, fuck it. Let's go for an entire year. Right. Uh, and so I started doing that. And then I have a buddy, my buddy, Will, who is, he's getting into ultra running and he signed up for this hundred mile race. And so I was like, well, I'll do it with you. Like, why not? Like, this is going to be something we can do together. And all while I had started a company with my cousins, a blockchain web three company building a video game. And uh, I had gotten insanely busy and was traveling the world. And uh, I started a podcast and we ended up, I was connecting with a ton of VCs and we ended up getting funded and valued at $35 million within a year. Wow. And so, but that whole year leading up, like I had been doing it with almost no money. I was, we, I mean, we were bootstrapping everything as, as a business. And then, uh, finally it was like, okay, we're all getting salaries. We just, we locked in this money. And, (laughs) but it was like, I just was not, I had put my entire YouTube career aside. Everything creative was just not getting fulfilled. And it ate at me. And as I was running more and more, because I was training for a hundred mile race and I was, it was like, all I could do is think about what it is that I'm, I'm not do, I'm not being fulfilled. I'm not like, it, it just kept eating at me. And it wasn't even like two months of having a salary that I ended up stepping down. <laughs> I was <Yeah>. like, <laughs> finally had it. And I, I gave, left all of my equity, everything just to I was gonna go all in on YouTube yeah. and it wasn't even a couple weeks later that I got an infection, the spinal infection. So how did they were you having any kind of symptoms? Um so I was, but I don't know uh whether or not I was aware of them because right. I was running so much. Okay. So like the bit the first symptom that I, I was very aware of was night sweats. Um but the issue was, I just thought maybe that's anxiety because I was trying, you know, I was thinking about leaving this company and leaving behind millions of dollars. Like, yeah. I, 
you know, I thought maybe it was anxiety mixed with, and then I was feeling extra exhausted, but we were increasing our miles. I mean, we were doing like, uh, we got up to 85 miles in one week. So, and then the week before that was 70 and the week before that was 60. Like it was just constant building. I'm like, of course I'm going to be exhausted. And, um, then it was September or no, it was like two days before the 365 days of running challenge ended uh two days before that i just got excruciating pain like out of nowhere it was so bad in my back and you know it's like like level 20 like you're where the fuck is this what and i I, i'm no stranger to pain so this was like what the hell is going on yeah yeah and i i was uh i was doing yoga And I had thought, so my thought was like, well, maybe it was from stretching. And so I ended up going to the ER because I knew I was about to run a hundred mile race. I'm like, I, I gotta just make sure that I didn't herniate a disc or have a fracture or something. Like, I don't want to run this and then be hurt even more. And so I went to the ER in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and they did a CT scan and uh, he goes, there's no fractures. Um, he goes, you more than likely tore a muscle or you, uh, or you have a herniated disc, but do, if you do have a herniated disc, it's not going to be affected too much by attempting the the hundred mile race, uh, come to find out he was very wrong. (laughs) Um, and so that was five days before the race I was in the ER and then I went and I attempted it. I, the, the 10 days leading up where I started getting pain in my back and then actually running the race, I had not ran at all. And because I was like trying to, I thought, well, maybe it's just a pulled muscle. I need to rest it. Well, by not running at all, everything else, like my legs and, and the ligaments and my knees and all that stuff got super tight. So between my back and everything being insanely tight, I, my body just was shutting down in the hundred mile race. Like yeah. I got to mile, uh, four or five and it was like, what the fuck? And, and the thing is, is like, I'm obviously I, in training had done so much more that I'm, when I'm at mile five and I'm going, what's going on? Like that was scary because I know I was capable of doing more cause I had done way more. And, um, and so I ended up getting cut like and there's a whole video so for anybody that uh wants to like actually see the video i i made a video about it it's it's a fairly well done video i feel like yeah real quick i've got your youtube page in the notes and highly recommend it yeah they're all really professionally done i was i was blown away man thank you Yeah. yeah i put i put hundreds and hundreds of hours into it <laughs> so i mean i think it's awesome I, I i love what you're doing getting that information out there okay so the bone infection how did they treat it so well uh it didn't it took them like almost up to a month and like three different er visits to even catch it because right. they first of all i was i do not fit the bill of somebody that has disguised vertebral osteomyelitis usually it's IV drug users just had uh, somebody who just had uh, spine surgery, um, like 
I think uh, diabetics, like it just does. I, I, I was running yeah. an insane amount and healthy at that point. Like it, so that was the last thing any doctor thought it could be. And um, I, I even had one doctor, finally I got them to schedule me an MRI and I had one doctor even tell me, well, I want to prepare you just in case nothing shows up on it. And I was like, I fired that doctor. Right. <laughs> I was just like, I'm telling you, I know something's wrong. And um, so at that point, it took um, a, almost up to a month to catch it. And like I said, three different visits to the ER. And then after I got had the MRI, I got this call. I got the call from the ER saying, or from the... Uh, um, radiology saying like, we found some concerning findings. We need you to the ER immediately. Um, and so then that's when I went in, they put me in a back brace. Uh, I ended up with an IV pick line. So, uh, I, I know, you know what that is, yeah. but it's basically a semi-permanent IV that goes into your arm and all the way to your heart. And the reason that they do this is because, where the spine is, mine was in L1, L2 area. So my lum lumbar spine and even on healthy people, we don't have good circulation there. And I, so this is the theory as to, I, first, I want to say like, I am insanely lucky and incredibly grateful for how well I am right now. Like most people that get this there, there's a 20% uh mortality rate yeah i'm like, shocked you're doing as well as you are that's the truth i'm, I'm blown yeah away, man. yeah i mean it's i i am completely defying the odds right now so i am just like and i i don't uh overlook that by any means i am like when, when they found us though did they did they cut you open and let it close naturally or they just they just do the ivs with iv antibiotics so uh, yeah, so they never cut me open. They did do a, a, a biopsy, but here's the thing is they couldn't, um, so they couldn't get a culture to grow in my blood and they couldn't get a culture to grow on the biopsy, which means that it was insanely localized because, and the theory is that because I was in such great health that my white blood cells were fighting it everywhere else, uh, where, how, the I did have dry needling done right before my race, which is the only thing that we think may be the cause. What's dry needling? Dry needling is when they put needles into your deep tissue and it's supposed to release. It's like a, a acupuncture type uh, thing. Okay. And so that is the only thing that I can think of that would have gone in deep tissue and introduced a potential bacteria. And so but they couldn't figure out, like they couldn't get anything to grow. So the theory is that because there's such poor circulation in your spine, in the lumbar spine, what may have happened was it found, the, the bacteria found the weakest point in my body where I have the degenerative discs already. Yep. So it found the weakest point and the point that we don't get circulation anyway. So the white blood cells fought it out off the rest of me but then that is the one spot that it just kept growing because it, there was nothing there to fight. So they have to put that pick line in because then they dump the antibiotics directly in your heart. So then it just 
pumps it and that's the, the best way to get it. So I had that pick line in for six, six weeks. They didn't need surgery. I didn't need to do surgery, which is like, just again, mind blowing. The one orthopedic doctor is like, just the fact that I'm not paralyzed is, is insane because of what I did with having this. Um, and, and like anybody that is unfamiliar, like you can Google it. There's so much documentation on how messed up this thing is. I, you know, not to interject my nonsense, into no, it, but please, because um, same situation, they were missing it left and right. And I want about six months uh, with this and my weight was down, you know, I'd lost like 50 pounds. Not that I, I didn't want to lose it, you know? Yeah. 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 No. I, well, that's yeah. what it says. It's one of the side effects is like you end up losing weight, not in a healthy way. No. And I got, they, I, I got delirious. I got to where I don't remember getting taken to the hospital. That, it, that's how badly it progressed with me. Um, yeah. It also did some, a number to my bone mass. What about you? Was your bone mass? Okay. He said it's pretty, it was pretty good. So I, I mean, yeah, all in all, I got insanely lucky. I mean, I still have quite a bit of pain in my back and I, I think that's kind of messing with my head going into this race too, because they said that the only way, the only like indication on whether or not the infection is coming back is pain. And I'm like, well, I'm literally running and pushing myself so uh, it's going to be really hard for me to gauge what is like real pain and what's even just phantom pain. And um, so, or the infection coming back, like, I don't yeah. know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, again, like they, they didn't, she said, there's no point in doing an MRI this early after because it'll still show abnorm abnormalities. Um, so they didn't do an MRI my CRP, like all of my uh, blood work is awesome. It was right back on point. Uh, I, it, again, I ended up taking some opiates for it when it was the worst. You're not super um, bad. I get it. Yeah. But it was yeah. interesting because my relationship with it was very different. And, um, and it was funny because it was so hard for them to give it, to, to get it now. It was like incredibly hard to get it. And, uh, then once I, and I still, I didn't even use it all. I still have some Yeah. like, and it was funny because the nurse, I remember, or the, the doctor who was in charge of giving me the, the narcotics, like it was, it was like pulling teeth with her. And finally, once they gave it to me, uh, and I like proved her wrong and showed like, got the other infectious disease doctors to show her like this is serious and stuff and then she ended up giving me this a huge apology <laughs> because i was like look i didn't even use that like i use them literally how you're supposed to i'm so sorry i i've run across that I, i'm sure everybody has i'm sorry yeah. i ran into that but you know you mentioned something uh because i noticed that on this surgery the whole relationship with opiates because you know you know, the long-term BS with them, right? Yeah. So I remember getting out of that surgery. Like, I'm not Superman. Hit me with the IV for a couple of days, but yeah, I, I couldn't get off those things fast enough just because I know the longer I'm on them, the worse the harder. pain gets. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and the harder it'll be to do that transition. Yeah, recover and get your head straight. And, and like you said, take the ownership that you have to do.
Yeah. It's 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 old school stuff, but you know, I don't really, you know, I'm not an advice guy, but you've nailed it, you know, take ownership and you know, okay, so now you're with the you're you're coming out. Okay. So where where are we now with the bone infection and starting the the the, the 100 mile runs? So so yeah, I mean like as of right now, it's been 3 months since I've had the pick line pulled out. Um and then uh Saturday morning I'm attempting the race. This is like my comeback kind of story. So <laughs> now I I'm assuming you're going to post the video and stuff. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is a you know, it's a, I was training for just a marathon when I got hurt in 2016. Um you know, I never envisioned you say just a marathon. Well, that's a no <laughs> ultra marathoning and the stuff you're talking about is a different animal <laughs> as you get up in years. So, you know, what what's your pace? I mean, how do how do how do you attack a hundred miles? So, well, this one is definitely going to be. It's a little different because of like not only was I training for it, I was recovering, so I had to be super intentional about like staying in a zone two heart rate, which is keeping it around 140. And, uh, you know, like in order to build, I had to, like, it was, I I had to not push myself too much because there was way more strategy in this training than the last time was like, just go hard and just keep going. Um, and because I'm like, again, when I, asked the orthopedic surgeon when will i be able to do a hundred mile race again he said a year and i was like well i signed up for one in three months <laughs> what was their reaction to that he was just like I, he i don't think they thought think i can do it like I, it's i mean you know like this is not a uh, this isn't like a cold or right right you know like this. serious stuff but i i love the fact that you're proving them wrong you know um and i'm assuming because i think you mentioned it before you know it's kind of like well you're just going to feel pain you're not going to do any further damage at least that's the feedback you're getting that's and that's what he said yeah, yeah. so he said like the biggest thing is uh looking at the x-rays and the last x-rays that i did have um, I shouldn't do any more damage, uh, because the infection's gone. Uh, the reason that there's concern. So like what ends up happening and, and I assume, you know, this, but just for anybody listening, but what ends up happening is, uh, the infection starts to weaken your bones. And that's why there's the concern of like, why you're in a back brace or why I was in a back brace and why, I had to be on bed rest is because it weakens your bones and then they end up fracturing and they fall apart. And then the, it starts to kill some of that. And that's where like the surgery happens. They have to go in and cut out that infection. Mm -hmm. And so with it being gone there, I shouldn't be like, obviously there's still massive degeneration in that area. um, But I shouldn't be doing more damage by attempting it assuming that everything is is copacetic but he said i will i will definitely be dealing with pain which i mean i'm still dealing with pain now so um and and even somebody not in pain is going to deal with pain in a hundred mile race yeah (laughs) how do you approach pain how do you approach pain 
Uh, it's funny. I was taught there's a friend of mine who is kind of, he's going to be pacing me and crewing me. His name is Nels. He, uh, he is an extraordinary human being as well. He's training to break the world record of running across the country. And, um, but we were talking about it the other day and like he said, I don't think we are, uh, we don't have like a higher pain tolerance. We are just good at managing it. Yeah, definitely. And that's, and I think it's, that's the case. It's like, and through meditation, um, I really learned that on how to compartmentalize it. It's not that we have, a, I mean, we feel all of it. I feel all of the pain and um, it's just not what defines me. And, you know, and like, obviously when I had those moments where, it, with the height of the um the infection like it was to the point where sometimes like i was debilitated i i literally could not yeah. get out of bed i mean i was it, it was yeah but i also still had moments of like being able to narrow it and it's just so fucking hard <laughs> yeah i mean um what i mean during that time where you like because, yeah, I mean, you just learn how to deal with it. But was there any specific thing you kind of, like, focused on as a motivating tool or anything? Just out of curiosity. Um, during the... D during your during your treatment, during the bone infection, when they were treating... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's setting, a, setting that ridiculous plan of running another 100-mile race. Like, yeah. people... I, I have one of the nurses said, um, why don't you why don't you like set a more obtainable goal that you know is like that you can do. And I was just like, you wouldn't understand just that. And like that right there is it because I know if I don't set something that's so ridiculous, I won't try as hard as I should or as hard as I can. And that's, that's why, like, because even if I don't hit a hundred miles, if I make it to 70, that's still more than setting a, a, goal of doing a marathon because i know that's obtainable and i think that's that's part of the problems with humans in general that we get caught up on is like we want to feel comfort in not failing and i think i don't have this fear of failing because i know that like it, it's just trying that's just me attempting and i know that if i am not afraid of the possibility of failing then that goal isn't big enough anyway yeah, like right. i haven't set a big enough goal if i'm not scared of that actual like that po failure is a possibility and i think that's what a lot of people they don't ever hit their limit or they don't ever surpass their kind of self-imposed limitations because they're afraid of the uncomfortable feeling of failure they're afraid of like going after something that actually scares them and that's why i set this like that's why i did this is because i knew that uh i knew it's it, dude it, it sucked like being absolutely the entire training while recovering from the infection was significantly harder than training you know before it was like you're you're swimming up a stream you're swimming up a river with because like not only are you dealing with the extra exhaustion your body is trying to recover you're you have every excuse in the world not to mention the 
amount of people who with great intention are telling me to slow down, telling me to, you know, make sure you don't hurt yourself. And it's, it's all out of love, but that that's just more things that I have to go up against. Yeah, and I get it. I know you got a hard stop, but I got a quick question for you. Um, you talked about not being the same guy. Um, this this entire experience. Um, you sound really entrepreneurial when I was listening to you talk about your different business ventures and stuff like that. Do you? What do you feel like? How has it changed you going forward? Have your, you know, and I know you're young, but have your goals kind of changed? What you see you doing? Do you? Fe I feel unbeatable because I feel, yeah, I feel like there's no BS life can throw at me that I can't handle. I mean, all that used to stress me out, I'd laugh at now. You know what I mean? So yes and no. I think uh, the first time when I was in the wheelchair, I had that. And then I was humbled real fucking fast this last time. Mm -hmm. And honestly, this last time, I almost feel like was a harder recovery because of the fact that I had to do it alone. Like I didn't have a girlfriend. I didn't have those same crutches that I had the last time. And not only that, I was going after something as to where when I was in the wheelchair, like, you know, I, a good portion of that recovery was um, playing video games and eating shitty foods and stuff like that. And so um, I, I think the most important, I don't know if it's the most important, but one major thing is I, as soon as I feel like I'm invincible, life's going to fucking punch me in the face. Right, right. And if anything, out of all of this, I want to take gratitude mm -hmm. and being grateful for the fact to, that I have these opportunities to grow from. Um, yeah, I do feel like I can take on anything, but I, I want to, I, I just know that I've been at a few different places or a few different times where I didn't think it could get worse and it could get worse. Yeah, and, yeah. and so I always want to make sure like this last time, one of the major things that I kind of talked with myself through is like, how do I make sure that I carry this gratitude, this like appreciation for life mm -hmm. into moments and times where I don't need to be knocked on my ass to still feel that. And like anybody listening to this, uh, I, I hope that that if anything resonates is fucking be grateful and, and have gratitude because life will punch you in the face. And, and um, the second you think you're invincible, you'll find out you're not. Yeah, you're so right, man, because, you know, I got divorced in 2008 and, you know, all the kind of stuff and did, you know, when my accident happened, you, you know, it was just, you know, just another challenge that life is going to, and I don't expect that things are going to be like easy. There's going to be other stuff life throws at me, but this, I'm, I, you know, it's hard. And I, I don't know if I'm thankful for the experience, you know, because <laughs> um, you lose a lot. And I, I, yeah. I'm talking material. I lost relationships Time. with daughter and, and stuff like this, because this is hard for people to go through. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, I, I really dig, you know, you're just, I mean, I, I'm, I'm hearing it all. Ownership, just, you know, I, I just think your story's incredible, man. The, the video. Major resilience. The video that I uh, 
am about to put out tomorrow because so I've committed to doing a video a week and um, it's it's talks about my training and like I think the one thing about ultra and running doing these crazy things is it's very symbolic and there's a lot of lessons in doing just a really long run that can be condensed in that you know 24 hour period but it applies to life because you go through highs you go through lows there's so much that you go through and one major thing in training was like a really bad training day is a great training day when things don't go right when things are fucked up or like you don't have water or like that's when you grow the most and i almost look at that with this infection in life in general like this those were the moments that i it could have either either broke me beat me down or this is a moment where it like really is allowing me to find that gratitude to to grow from it and um just really embody the idea that like if if i'm not dead i you can come back from anything <laughs> you know death the, the outside of death like there's nothing that you can't really come back from so i think uh Go ahead. No, go. You go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. That's kind of where I, I really, uh, I've taken from both running and and doing these crazy challenges as well as this infection. Uh, I, I'm just, you know, 16 when all this started, you know, and what I'm, I'll be honest, with you, what 16 year old guy has anything figured out, you know, <laughs> and so. You know, it really came at you, you know, at a at a young age, and to, I, I I just I just think it's awesome that you took that that adversity and used it to carve out a different trajectory to your life and a different attitude on how you attack it and approach it. Well, and even like when it happened, uh, I immediately contacted my therapist and I was like, "Hey, I, like I had." I I felt like I graduated and got through all of it be, yeah. after the and then I as soon as I got this infection I was like it had been three years since I'd seen her and um I just immediately I was like I'm gonna get ahead of it like I now have the meditation all of this has kind of created this self-awareness of like okay look I know that chemically things with this infection are going to be against me that I might not be able to have full control over. So if what I, again, going back to ownership, I know that, okay, let's get ahead of it. I'm going to call my therapist and get this scheduled up. And, you know, I probably didn't need those, but it was just getting ahead of it going, look, I know that before I fall down this spiral, and then I end up taking more opiates than I need to. And then I eat and get heavy again and it's like before i get there let me just get ahead of it and i think that's like again it goes back to all that the training days right it's like you now know how to approach these things so yes uh when you say like when life is going to throw these things at you now we have so many tools mm -hmm. to go okay cool this is happening i immediately know i need to get just to bounce ideas off of with a therapist or like However, you kind of get better at perfecting how to move through this shit. Yeah, and, and, you know, last thought that I have before I let you close it out is I hope you'll consider, I love what you're doing with that page because there's a lot of people, and you know this, that have been in our situation, if not worse. It's isolating, 
And there's nothing positive out there. There's, I can't get enough meds. And look, I know this sucks, but there's not a lot of people going, this is how I'm, I'm going to not let this defeat me. And, and, you know, I hope, whatever you do, you know, that you keep going with that page because I think that's a, I think that I, I've heard so much feedback in different clinics. People just desperate to see somebody's real experience. You know what I mean? And I, I hope that you keep doing that, but also, you know, work with people. I think your story is incredible, man. I'm already motivated. I mean, uh, I appreciate just, it. Yeah, dude. I mean, you got any closing? Because I know you got, I hope you'll come back on. I know you got a hard stop because of that run, but do you have any kind of like closing comments before we? Uh... Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, I'm not not stopping that page. It's like I'm just getting started. I'm about to release fifth video out of 52 this year. I'm I'm committed to doing 52 videos, um, which might might seem like uh, not a ton of videos, but like it's a lot of work. <laughs> when you, you all a lot of work. Yeah. yeah, when you see see the quality of them, like it's yeah. it's induced and edited, and yeah, you're doing a lot of work on those major. Points. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is my commitment right now is to to go all in on YouTube for the next. Just it's just to get my story out there, just to share. Like I I enjoy being creative. I enjoy, um, I do like motivating people and, and showing that, uh, I mean, I, I feel like I've been through quite a bit of shit and, and I, I agree with what you say. Like, there's a lot of people that, that there's kind of two, two ways that people go. It's either they go and sit in a pity party and like, and I'm not like vilifying that. I know how Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I get it. It's, it's fucking hard. The, this isn't fun that I'm doing sometimes. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And the other way is, is by pushing yourself and uh, it's uncomfortable, but. The, the human body is an amazing thing, man. Well, thank you so much. And I, I just. Thank you. Yeah, thank I, you for having me. Oh, man. Anytime. Open invitation. I can't wait to hear how you, your, your run goes, man. But for anybody else out there watching. Um, this we're streaming on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitch, and on Podbean. Uh, the Podbean episode will be uploaded in about an hour. Uh, Jessup, thank you, dude. Thank you yeah, so much. So I, I would love to plug one thing Please, if possible. Um, so yeah, my my channel is Jessup Eleven. On I mean, I'm you can find Jessup Eleven J U S U P one one on ev everything, literally everything. Uh, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. It's just of 11. Um, but I am doing, so for this race, I am, uh, doing kind of like a sponsorship collecting sponsorships. Okay. And, um, what it is, is if anybody wants to contribute to it, most of it, obviously like it's not cheap to go through what we had to go through. And, um, and I, I did, it was really terrible timing with leaving a, yeah. Uh, what what could have been life changing money on the table, and then immediately getting yeah. uh, punched in the face. So I am collecting sponsorships. If you want to support, it's uh, people are doing basically committing a dollar amount per mile. So like you could do fifty cents per mile, and then if I end up completing this race, it's fifty bucks. Cool. Um, and 
I, I can, after we hang up, I can send you a flyer and, uh, Please, cause I want to put that out there. Yeah. And yeah. So anybody that wants to do it, it there, it does, there's kind of two tiers. If there's like a brand or somebody that really wants to sponsor, um, and they do $20 per mile, which comes out to two grand. We got one person already committed to that. Um, but you'll be incorporated. If you end up doing that much, you'll be incorporated in the video and, um, we'll get you some sort of sponsorship. I am, I fully believe in this next year is going to yield a ton of attention. And if you want to get, this is the cheapest you'll ever be able to get a part of one of my oh, videos yeah. as a sponsorship, because yeah. I, I, I promise it's going to be worth it. So, well, look, thank you so much, man. Your story is incredible. I want to thank everybody for, hang tight. I want to thank everybody for yeah. uh, checking out the Art of Floundering podcast. Uh, we're gonna, we're back after the surgery, so once a week we should have a new episode with guests. Between now and then, I want to wish everybody nothing but peace and love. This concludes another episode from the Art of Floundering podcast. We hope that you will like, follow, subscribe, and review. You can find us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Podbeam, or wherever you download your super-duper peachy keen favorite podcast. On behalf of the Art of Floundering podcast, I want to wish each and every one of you nothing but peace and love. Thank you.